Hello and welcome to the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike and I am your host. Well, today we're going to talk more about deployment. I've actually prepared myself somewhat and went and dug out the cruise book for my deployment on board the USS Callahan. Now, maybe I should have done this uh, the last show, <laughs> but you know me, I just kind of jump in with both feet and get rolling. And so we're going to do that more of that today. But yes, I got my cruise book. Uh, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about things that the cruise book reminds me of, and maybe we'll um, get to. So we got as far as the Philippines, as far as talking about the cruise. Um, I think we'll talk about the cruise book and what we did, where, and when. And talk about some of the things in the cruise book. See what it reminds me of. And then maybe we'll talk about what came after being in the Philippines. Alright. So, cruise book, think of it like your high school yearbook, right? Bound, a nice cover. So, this one says USS Callahan, DDG-994, Westpac, 85, 1985. So then, you know, it's a little dedication page. shows the dates, which were wrong. Because this obviously was printed or set up before the actual, uh, it was actually known we were coming home. It says 21 February to 26 August of 1985. But on the next page, you're talking about the ship's log. It shows us arriving in San Diego on 24 August. Um, so the cruise book is about 140 pages. But the ship's log, that's what's going to, I'm going to read. I'm going to go over the ship's log here really quick. All right, so. 21 February, we departed San Diego. We already talked about that. 21 February to 7 March of 1985, which sounds like mm, two weeks, was transit to Pearl Harbor. So two weeks. And it says there's BGA battle group uh, area exercise or maneuvers or something. I don't know what the this an acronym stands for. We were in Port Pearl Harbor, 8, 9, 10, 11, March, four days. It's funny, I remember it as five. Uh, oh, 12 March, so maybe I'm counted 12th of March. All right, 12 March, we depart for Subic Bay, the Republic of Philippines. They call it a transit X. Transit exercise. I don't know what kind of exercise we did. I'm sure we did some underway replenishment and things like that, but oh well. Then it shows import Subic Bay, Republic of Philippines, 28 March to the 1st of April. That's five days, 28, 29, 30, 31, first. Okay, five April. 2nd of April and route Singapore. That was kind of a surprise. I don't remember if we knew we were heading to Singapore next before we left the PI. I don't remember that. But yes, we went to Singapore for three days for Easter. So 7, 8, 9 of April. Then 10th of April to the 1st of May, which is 20 days, uh, en route to the operational area of the North Arabian Sea. And then for a week in May, we were alongside the USS Jason, which is a destroyer tender, AR-8. <laughs> destroyer tender, or auxiliary repair ship, I think it was AR-8, uh, at Rash al-Had in Oman. Um the Jason was anchored, and we moor alongside the Jason, and you were within spitting distance of the of the ground of the land. Um, I mean, quarter mile away from the earth, <laughs> from from dirt, and dirt it was. I mean, it was it was desert. I mean, we we're I mean a quarter mile away from land. It was hot. It was May, and you could see nothing. You could see it was desert right up against the ocean there, desert, nothing for miles. Uh, as a matter of fact, when when we left, we left Singapore, transit the Straits of Malacca, and we're heading to the Gulf of Oman. Um, we put cheesecloth over the exhaust vents of the air conditioning unit, or the air conditioning exhaust vents. So as if dust got picked up into the circulation system, it wouldn't be get blown out all over the ship. It would get, kind of get caught in these cheesecloths. 
And man, they got dirty quick. Uh, you know, the funny thing is this en route to um, the Jason, we doesn't talk about our little show of force to the uh, to the Sri Lankans. Might have to. All right. Yeah, I'll talk about that now. Um, what did I talk about that last show? All right. Well, anyway, if I did, you're getting to you're getting to uh, getting to told the story twice. Uh, I guess the Sri Lankan government had declared that their territorial waters were was farther than 12 miles. And the United States only recognizes 12-mile territorial water or international water limit. So we were told, the Callahan, uh, en route to the North Arabian Sea, that we were going to transit within, you know, it may have been 20 miles, I don't know. Either way, it was it was farther than 12, okay? But we were told to transit, you know, just more than 12 miles away from the land of Sri Lanka to show that, yeah, um, we recognize 12 miles and recognize whatever you say. And at the same time, we were having a cookout. It was a Sunday afternoon. And like on every couple few weeks, not maybe a little more often than once a month, we'd have cookouts on Sunday afternoons on the fantail of the ship. So we're having a cookout. We had a couple 50 cows mounted and we transited less than whatever they wanted, but just a little hair more than 12 miles off the coast of Sri Lanka. In fact, it was their capital. It was Colombo, Sri Lanka, the capital of Sri Lanka, Colombo. We're transiting. They sent out a couple gunboats to make sure we didn't cross that 12 mile line. I guess they didn't, they didn't get too close. Half mile, mile, could barely see them. But yeah, we did that. Funny if we had time. And it was only a 20-day transit, right? 10th of April, the 1st of May. Um, okay, so we're tied up against the Jason. Um, desert. Oh, we can't throw trash overboard at this time because we're closer than however many miles we dump trash. Probably 12 miles. So all the trash has to pile up. Uh, the Jason was a mixed crew ship. It was, not a, it was, it was a non-combat ship, so there was females on board this ship. And they had full medical facilities with the doctor. They had full dental facilities with the dentist. And then uh, had, they had repair facilities that were a little bit more extensive than the shipboard repair facilities. So the, the Callahan's time moored against the Jason was put to good use. If there's any machinery repair, uh, machinery repair tasks that needed to be completed, that the shipboard repair test couldn't do. They went over to the Jason and they worked with the Jason's crew to get those things done. I have no idea what they were. None of it was aviation related, all, all ship related. Um, I did get a, I did get a, a dental, I got a, a teeth cleaning. I was scheduled for teeth cleaning. So they sent me over there to the, to the dental facility and I got my teeth cleaned while we we're tied alongside the Jason. And then our last night before we pulled out, they had a talent show made up of sailors from the Callahan and sailors from the Jason. Um, uh, it, you know, think of a high school talent show and that's kind of what you got. You know, anything to relieve the boredom, really. You know, also at the same time, the um, the Camden, which was our the, the battle group replenishment ship, the USS Camden had a USO show tour, USO tour, USO show arrive. It was Kenny, Ro not Kenny Rogers, not Kenny Rogers. Um, Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Can you tell the two apart? Chris Christopherson came and he performed music for us. And it was, okay, now I got to think a second because we weren't tied up against the Jason. Was it before? Or after, I think it was after our time tied up against the Jason. Someone else came along. We tied up with the Camden. The Camden was a larger ship, right? Think of, you know, it was an oiler. Had a bigger, okay, we call it an oiler, but it's really a replenishment ship. So it would, doing underway replenishments, it would bring food supplies at the same time refueling whatever aircraft it was tied up against. Aircraft, whatever ship was tied up against the aircraft carrier. Um, okay, so 
we went to the camp. We were tied up to the Camden for a night while Chris Christopherson came and they set up his little stage on the helicopter deck on the Camden, which was on the fantail, the back of the ship. And the Callahan crew and the Camden crew got treated to a USO show by Chris Christopherson. Not all that memorable, but he would he, he made a lot of jokes about there was girls just over there on that ship right over there because we weren't too far from the Jason at the time, you know, half mile, quarter mile, close. You know, he'd put, eh, there's girls over there, you know, can you smell them or whatever? <laughs> it was funny. Um, that's about all I remember about that. Not not all that. Uh, you know, compared to the talent show, I guess it was, you know, professional and much better. But, again, it was something, one of those things that the Navy did to help break up the boredom or the monotony of being at sea. All right, so we're tied up to the Jason for a week. Uh, one night, I guess with the you know with the Camden, and then uh, we did our regular operations in the North Arabian Sea. Now, at some point during this time, sometime between the time we left Singapore and I don't know when, one of the main engines of the USS Callahan had a problem. Now, the USS Callahan was a gas turbine-powered ship, which meant that it had jet engines for engines, four of them. Uh, LM2500s, they were called. They were, if you think of a C5 Galaxy, aircraft has four engines. Take those four engines off that Galaxy, that aircraft, that huge C5 aircraft, and put, it on, put them in a ship. You have an idea of what kind of gas turbine engines was powering the Callahan. These are huge jet engines that ran on diesel fuel marine or DFM as opposed to aviation fuel, which was just a different version of <laughs> diesel, kerosene, a kerosene-based fuel. Uh, JP-5, which is what we used at the time, or also called Jet-A or JP-4. Anyway, jet, jet, jet fuel is a kerosene-based fuel like diesel fuel is just a little bit lighter burns a little different so yeah these are four aircraft jet engines converted to use in a marine application they burn different fuel uh, and it was two jet engines attached to one propeller shaft so we had two propeller shafts four jet engines and that's what drive the ship to the water and it was one of those things that let this ship really haul ass when it came down to it i mean all four engines online Turning both shafts for maximum speed, um, this boat would get up and go. So anyway, jet engines, as you know, you know they suck air in, they compress it, make some fuel, burn it, and shoot it out the back, all the while making the turbine spin faster and strong and hook it up to a drive shaft or whatever, and off you go, right? Well, jet, in jet engines on a ship, jet engines that are on a ship are just as susceptible to crap getting ingested and making them not work anymore as a regular jet engine is and that's what just just exactly what happened to one of the engines the jet engines that powered the callahan a compressor blade in the front stage you know on the first blade one of the first if you look at a jet engine you know, there's blades inside there that spin right and there's different stages of blades four or five layers of blades that spin well in the first stage front the front blades one of them had broken off Got and got sucked in through all the rest of the stages, and basically tore that engine up. So I don't know. We don't. I don't know exactly when it happened. Don't remember. But for a while there, the Callahan was running on three engines, which apparently was no big deal because it typically ran on two engines, one engine per shaft, and brought other engines online as needed for more speed, or the engines took turn the, driving the shafts. You know. Engine number one and engine number three would drive shaft one and two. And then they would shut those, you know, bring up engines two and four to drive shafts one and two, giving engine one and three a break, whatever. So anyway, one of the engines, fan blade broke, compressor blade broke, sucked through the whole thing, tore it apart. So that, which necessitated this engine being replaced. Well, after, which wasn't something, which wasn't something apparently that Jason could do, so they had to order one. So after our time 
in the North Arabian Sea, our first period, which is technically from 10 April to 20 May, which really isn't that long, if you think about it. What, six weeks? Um, what was I? Oh, okay. So at the end of that time, the battle group, which is, you know, the, the force, well, they call it carrier strike group now, but the battle group, which is the force that floats with the carriers, the, the carriers, the flagship, was going to go to Mombasa, Kenya for their next import period. But because the Callahan had an engine casualty, which is the technical term for it, right? they had an engine casualty, we're going to this fine little place called Diego Garcia. Diego Garcia is a piece of coral sticking up out of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, excuse me. Sticking up out of the Indian Ocean, maybe 10 feet at its highest point, shaped like a footprint, like a foot, with the middle carved out. So it was a lagoon, right? It was a V-shaped or almost V-shaped piece of coral. Uh, the only thing redeeming value there is a huge runway for C-5s to land. A British uh, radio listening post. The island was owned by the British, by the way. The U.S. Navy had this section where they had the runway and they had, you know, some support facilities there for the people that were stationed there uh, for the aviation component. There was also a uh, an anti-submarine warfare operations center was there as well. Um, so anyway, they're going to Mombasa, a nice exotic port. We're going to Diego Garcia because our ship needs an engine changed out. We were in Diego Garcia for 10 days. 10 days while the engine got changed out. I won't go into more details on that because I'm going to actually talk about these things. I want to go through the ship's log. All right, so... The next episode we're talking about, I'm going to refer to things I've talked about here, and it's going to be up to you to remember. Sorry, no quiz, but I'll talk about things as if you heard them before. So anyway, 10 days, Diego Garcia, uh, which uh, was the end of May, which spanned Memorial Day, so we had a day off. Ooh, big deal. There's nothing going on there in Diego Garcia. All right. We left Diego Garcia. Now, it's to note that from 31 May to 7 July, which is all of June and a portion of July, we were back in the North Arabian Sea. Well, if you look up, if you do some Google about uh, TWA Flight 95, I think it was Flight 95, hijacking, was right around this time. And, well, it's a TWA, I'm pretty sure it's Flight 95. That's, I'm just afraid I'm saying the wrong flight number. But a TWA aircraft was hijacked and taken to... Was it hijacked to Beirut? Goodness gracious, how, how bad is that? I'm... <sighs> All right, fine. You know what? I'm just going to Google it while I'm here. I'm going to say TWA, TWA 95 hijacking. Uh, this is 847. Uh, Transworld hijacked. I'm all movement. Oh, yeah. TWA 87, 847, not 95. <laughs> uh, the plane was hijacked, uh, believed that uh, by an Islamist Lebanese Shia group, the Hezbollah. Hmm, nice. Um, it was flying from Athens, Greece, to Rome, where scheduled to land in London. The aircraft with its passenger crew endured a three-day intercontinental ordeal, which one passenger, U.S. Navy diver Robert Stedham, was murdered. Uh, let's see. And it was hijacked to Beirut. Yes. So, all right. 14 June, 1985. So shortly after we left Diego Garcia, this, this hijacking occurs and we were, we were dispatched. I'm back up again. In Diego Garcia, besides us, was the USS California, which was a guided missile cruiser, nuclear powered guided missile cruiser. Um, and I think the Jason was in, might have been in Diego Garcia as well. But the California and the Callahan were sent north at best speed back to the North Arabian Sea to take care or to be on hand because of this hijacking. Yeah, this hijacking occurred on June 14, 1985. So they were in Beirut. Um, they flew back and forth between Beirut and Algiers a couple of times, it looks like. Anyway, I'll shut this down. Um the point being is that we're, we were to leave Diego Garcia and the California and the Callahan 
were to become, we were going to have a battle exercise against the rest of the battle group. We were to be the red force. And the carrier and the rest of the battle group is going to be the blue force. And we're going to have like a little staged mock battle of some sort. We're going to try to infiltrate the, get as close to the carrier as we can, pretend to be the bad guys, yada, yada. And then this, this hijacking occurred. That exercise was canceled. And we steamed like madmen back to the North Arabian Sea. Heck, we didn't even fly for like three days because they wanted to go as fast as they could. Didn't want to have to slow down or make wind to launch us. Funny thing is, by the time we got back to North Arabian Sea, the situation had basically completed itself. So we just went back to steaming around in circles in the Gulf of Oman and flying every day. That lasted until uh, 8th of July. Oh, now, Diego Garcia is south of the equator. So, in that time frame, as we were transiting from the North Arabian Sea to Diego Garcia, we crossed the equator. And we had a crossing the line ceremony. Keep note of that, because I'll talk about that later. Most likely, again, in a future episode. So we go back to North Arabian Sea. Uh, uh, 8 July, we decide, we decide, we didn't decide, somebody decided we got to go to uh, Western Australia. Now, again, the rest of the battle group went to the port at Fremantle, which was close to Perth in Western Australia. The Callahan got sent to a little town about 100 kilometers south of Perth, Fremantle, called Bunbury. Bunbury was a small town. We are the only American warship there. They closed their one nightclub <laughs> to give us a welcoming party. Uh, it took like a, let's see, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. It took like 10 days to travel to Bunbury, Western Australia from the North Arabian Sea. Notice we crossed the line two more times in there. Crossed the line going north. But since we had just had a crossing line ceremony, there was no reason to have another one. Cross it again, coming south. A couple new people might have shown up, but again, too bad. We just had one. They missed it. And when we're done with Australia, we're going to cross it again. But again, we, we only had one cross the line ceremony. So we were in port in Bunbury, Western Australia, from 18 July to 23 July. Five days. That's the way I remember it. And it was cold. Southern Hemisphere, it's their winter cold to say we were not prepared for the cold is an understatement meaning with dress to say that um, we had just spent you know six weeks in the hot you know desert hot Gulf of Oman Persian Gulf you think hot it's freaking cold <laughs> you know it might have been just like 40 degrees cold but to us it was cold um, we just weren't used to it so five days in uh, Bunbury, Western Australia. We left there, took a week, and we and we went back to the Philippines. And our original Philippine stop was supposed to be, I don't remember, but it was only a couple days this time. We were in and out, like overnight. It says 1 to 2 August here. Could be right. I, you know, I don't know. And then we spent like 10 days transiting to Hawaii. Back to Pearl Harbor because that's where it's, you know, it's back in those days it was Pearl, then the PI, then whatever, and then on your way home was PI, then Pearl. When you got to Pearl, uh, that's when we took aboard the Tigers. Tigers, we have a, I don't know if they do this anymore, but back then they had what they called a Tiger Cruise. And the Tiger Cruise was the week between leaving Pearl Harbor and getting home at the end of your deployment. And the Tiger Cruise is where those sailors who have children, boys, I don't remember seeing any girls, boys are old enough, uh, there might have been a minimum age of like six or seven, they brought the boys onto the ship with them. Now to make room for these kids, some guys got off at Pearl Harbor and they flew home early. So like you know, one fourth of the ship leaves in Pearl Harbor, they bring on the Tigers. Now we didn't have, nobody in our <laughs> And our crew, our, our, in their department of 15 people, one guy brought a tiger, and that was my friend Freddie, and he brought his dad. 
So tigers can be kids, and they or they could also be the dads of the younger single sailors, right? So Freddie brought his dad, and he was pretty cool. He, you know, and it's a week long, and they have different events. We had bingo almost every night. They did. Um, now the whole battle group does this, by the way. The whole the whole battle group, the carrier, everybody takes on tigers at Pearl. So they're called the tigers. And as a battle group steams east, heading for home, they have events where they'll let the kids get on the ship-to-ship radio communications and they'll play some word games across the radio, which kids think was cool. We did, I said, we already did bingo. We had a ship race, which is pretty stinking cool. The Constellation, the California, what was the other cruiser? Was it the Warden? Warden? W-R- Warden. I want to say it was Warden. The other cruiser, I want to say Warden. Uh, the two kid, cl- uh, the Callahan, the Fletcher, which was the Spruance, the other Spruance class type destroyer. The two Perry class frigates and the two Knox class frigates are all lined up. We were flying at the time. And our job was to drop a smoke at one mile and then another smoke at five miles. So the one mile smoke was the sprint and the five mile smoke was the marathon, I guess, right? So the Admiral was on the, the, the Constellation, and he gave the go, and all the ships took off. Now, the ship that won the Sprint was the Perry-class frigate. The Cromlin, I think it was the Cromlin. Yeah, because Perry-class frigate is also a gas turbine, <clears throat> but a Perry-class frigate is small. Two gas turbine engines, I think, for one shaft. Uh, again, smaller, it's a lot lighter, whatever. So the Perry class frigate won the sprint. Uh, the Knox class frigates are steam powered. They really had no chance. The Callahan and the Fletcher, Callahan was a modified Spruance class destroyer. So the regular, the Fletcher kind of beat the Callahan because Callahan was 2,000 more tons of, of displacement, a heavier ship, more equipment. So the Fletcher beat us there. The California gave good. I think the California, you know, nuke-powered, right? The Callahan, the Fletcher, we all were kind of neck and neck. Uh, the other cruiser was probably back with the with the two Knox-class steam-powered frigates. Um, okay, so that's that's the sprint. So everyone's doing okay. And, and now the long, the long distance, the run, the five miles. So at this point, the the Fletcher's probably out in front with the. Callahan and the California, you know, right behind um, the the Perry class frigate that won the Sprint is already maxed out. So, you know, the bigger ships with bigger stuff has, has passed them, and they're moving along pretty quick. But let me tell you, <laughs> by the time we hit the five mile marker, the carrier was gone so fast. <laughs> I mean, the the Connie didn't blow by everybody else. It was it was a slow. But inexorable, they're going to win. Because at some point, the Callahan, the Fletcher, all these other ships, they were maxed out. And the Connie's got more to give. And I'm pretty sure that our ship was at 35 plus knots. Which for, you know, a nearly 10,000 ton displaced boat, that's pretty stinking fast. Well, here comes the carrier, the Connie, uh, going faster than that. And... And not barely faster, you know, enough faster that you could see that, wow, this ship's going to win the five-mile sprint pretty, not the five-mile sprint, the five-mile marathon pretty handily. And then once the, once they pass the five-mile smoke, all the all the kids are treated to crashbacks, which is where the ships go from full speed to dead in the water, full stop, in two ship lengths. It's a combination of reversing the prop pitch and some other stuff, but um, it's pretty impressive when you're hauling ass. And the ship slams on the brakes. All this water comes crashing over the fantail. Um, so that part of the ship is secure. And so all the ships did, you know, crash backs, full stops, except the carrier, which took another three miles or four miles to get back down to her regular steaming speed of 15 knots or whatever. Still kind of funny to watch from the air. I videotaped it for the executive officer of our boat. Never got to see it, see the tape of it, but it was... Still a fairly memorable event that week. Um, but yeah, we, all right. So we spent like two days in Pearl getting 
It says 15, 16 August, getting the Tigers, putting them on board. We spend a week transiting home, 17 to 24th of August, um, with our Tiger cruise fun follies or whatever. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's the cruise in a nutshell. And when you leave on 21 February, that's six months, because you had an idea we're coming, you're going to be back in, some, in six months. Seems so far away. But when you look at it here, distilled, you know, the longest time we spent, you know, 10, 10 April to 1 May. That wasn't very long. But if you say 10 April to 30 May, because, well, it's broken up by the time tied up against the tender. But, you know, that was a time at sea. And then again, 31 May to 7 July. Plus, you know, five, uh, 31 May to 7 July plus 10 days to get to Bunbury. That's kind of a long time. That's 47 days. We had a 43-day at-sea period and a 47-day at-sea period. So it's it can be long. All right, so let's see what else is of note here in the cruise book. Uh, you know, we have the, the history of the legacy of the USS Callahan. You know, the coat of arms. Callahan was named after... Uh, Daniel J. Callahan, who was a rear admiral. He's from uh, he's from San Francisco. Talks about how the USS Callahan DDG-994, the ship I was on, is the second kid-class guided missile destroyer. The first one was the USS Kid. Named after Admiral I.C. Kid, who went down with the USS Arizona. Um, let's see. Second kid-class. Um, all right, so it talks about Callahan. Callahan, Callahan named. There's a DDD, DD-7072. Talks about some of the stuff that the Callahan did. Uh, remember the Korean Airlines shoot down uh, by the Russians? The Callahan was on scene to look for survivors and wreckage or whatever. It was only... Uh, in, the, in the deployment we went on in February of 1985 was only the second Western Pacific deployment for the USS Callahan. As part of the U.S.'s Constellation Battle Group. All right, so let's see. The next page, the commanding officer, Captain uh, Remt, who ultimately went on to be the superintendent of the Naval Academy not too long ago. I think after after the Callahan, his uh, next job was to work on the, uh, go work at the Pentagon and, and help uh, develop the vertical launch system that was going to be deployed on the uh, Aegis class cruisers. The first executive officer we had was Commander Dowd. He was really he was a really good XO. See, typically on the Navy, the CO is the guy everybody his job is to be not to be liked. You know, his you know the the main responsibility lies with him. His number two, the exec, the executive officer He's the guy everyone's supposed to hate because he's the one that's enforcing the commander's pol the captain's policies. So if you got a, a a captain that everybody loves, a lot of time the exec is nobody likes because it's his job to be a jerk or a dick or to be an enforcer or whatever term you want to use. Um, but Commander Dowd, he was he he found a way to get the, to carry out the policies and still have people respect and like him. Unfortunately, he was replaced about a third of the way through the cruise with a guy who still had some learning to do in that regard. And uh, everyone felt like we took a step back when the, when Commander Dowd was replaced. The Command Master Chief, also his job is to be kind of a jerk. I don't know if any of you out there have watched the PBS show Carrier. Um, there's a couple times where you see the command master chief of the Nimitz going around giving people a hard time about sitting down too much or their hands in their pockets or all kinds of stuff. He's being kind of a jerk. Um, but uh, the command master chief on board the Callahan also found a way to get it done without being a jerk. And no one's, you know, no one, they did it. No one, no one pushed back. No one tested his boundaries or anything. Everyone respected him and did what they're supposed to do. Now, the Callahan, being kind of an upgraded Spruance-class destroyer, was the flagship for the Destroyer Squadron 17. How do I explain? Okay. The Navy's got lots of levels of management. You have a battle group run by an admiral. 
In that battle group are several ships. And each of those ships report up a chain of command, right? You have a captain. Well, the captain has to have a boss. Now, the captains of destroyers, they report to a destroyer squadron commander. The destroyer squadron commander may have a level of leadership between him and the battle group commander. I don't know. But the destroyer squadron, which com Des, Desron 17, destroyer squadron 17, chose the Callahan to be its flagship. So in addition to regular ship's company, we had destroyer squadron staff and commander on board. Um, he was also a captain, but he was called Commodore because you can't have two captains on a ship, right? Besides, he was Captain Ramp's boss. So we had destroyer squadron. And along with the destroyer squadron, destroyer squadron staff. I, you know, I really don't know what their purpose in life is. I, I didn't get involved with them too much. And then as you go through, each department's highlighted in the engineering department, and it shows what rates in the Navy make up the engineering department, the hull technicians, electricians, mates, the gas turbine systems guys, and the officers that lead these, you know, the department. And each department is made up of divisions. So auxiliaries, those are the people that work on, let's see, the... They work on a, a mechanical equipment outside of engine rooms, okay? Refrigerators, uh, generators, whatever. Also part of the engineering department is the electrical division. They work on electrical things. Let's see. The main propulsion division, hmm, what do you think they do? They work on the main propulsion, which happens to be the largest engineering department there is. <laughs> um, electrical division looks like... Uh, 15, 20 dudes, auxiliaries looks like 15 dudes, main propulsion looks like 40 dudes. <laughs> so their job is to keep the, oh, see, so here's where we talked about how the ship goes. Main, propul main propulsion division and the equipment they operate and maintain are what makes a kid-class destroyer unique among naval ships. With the ability to accelerate from dead in the water to 30 plus knots in less than one minute, and then to dead in the water in two lengths of the ship, the Callahanners are the most maneuverable vessels afloat. So there you go. All right, let's see what else. The repair division. These are the guys that fix stuff, right? Um, when stuff breaks open, they're the ones that are fixing it. I, I mean, like pipes, valves, you know, I suppose I can read it. Oh, they're all made up of hull maintenance technicians. So ships, breaks in the hull, things like that. I'm sure they have other... Um, they have other duties as well. But the HTs, the guys that made up the repair division, were also the guys that manned the flight deck during flight quarters. So you got to know these guys pretty well because anytime there's flight quarters for us to launch, their senior chief would show up and a lot of his dudes. Um, and, you know, they'd help launch the aircraft. The next department is the combat systems department, made up of torpedo bins mates, fire control technicians, gunners mates, the Combat Systems Department is made up of the divisions of the Combat Anti-Submarine Division. I worked with some of these dudes. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Second row. Houlihan was one of the guys. I remember him. He was kind of a fun dude. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. All right. Combat Electronics Division. These guys took care of electronic warfare. Things like that. Some pictures of them. The Combat Guns Division. Hmm. The Callahan had two 5-inch uh, five five 35s or 5-inch 54s, 5-inch 54 guns, um, you know, that launched like artillery shells or whatever. So those guys took care of that. Then the Combat Missile Division, because instead of the standard Spruins class destroyer uh, um, weapon systems for, for anti-submarine rockets and Bipodemus Sea Sparrows, and I'm using the technical term, or not the technical terms, but the jargon terms because I've explained them before. Bipodemus is basic point defense missile system. Instead of those two, we had two standard missile launchers that replaced those. So we had, we had a missile division. Let's see. What else? I'm flipping through. All right. So that's it for combat systems. The next department is operations, made up of the signal men, the radio men, the boats and mates, the operations specialists. Well, we call them the scope dopes. So operations department, 
is made up of the first division, all boats and mates. Those are the guys that paint the ship, do the ropes. Uh, oh, here, it even tells us. See, I'm, I'm skipping over. First division is composed of boats and mates and responsible for maintenance and preservation of the ship's port side and flight deck. The second division is responsible for maintenance and preservation of the ship's starboard side and forecastle, which is the front of the ship. So there you go. Second, first division, second division. Then the OC division, op, which is operations, communications, visual, electronic. Made up of the radio men and the signal men. Okay. And then the OI division, which is operations specialists. These are people that work in CIC. Um, our two main controllers, Chief Sinan and uh, OS2 Atno. They're the most, those are the guys that were typically, when we were flying, they were our controllers or air traffic controllers or whatever we're they're the ones that would follow us on their radar because the callahan had air search radar and we would report into them stuff we had found and they would kind of log it and keep track of what we were doing let's see so picture the combat then the navigation and administration department which is the yeoman the quartermaster the personnelman and uh, the ship's office is one of the divisions which is made up of the yeoman and personnelman quartermaster and that's it really the next is the supply department, storekeepers. Now, here's the funny thing. Mess management specialist, MS. Those are the cooks. Well, I know if you've watched the show Carrier that they've changed their rating from MS to CS, which is culinary specialist. Kind of funny. All right, so supply is made up of S1, which is the storekeepers. S2, which is the mess specialists. And S3, which is the ship store. And the guys who give you your haircuts for free. Oh, I take that back. S3. Then S4, dispersing clerks. Those are the people that pay you. Two dispersing clerks for... I don't know how many people. Close to 400. <laughs> and finally, we get to the air department. HSL-33, Dead 8, and our aircraft, Sea Snake 17. So we're the air department. We had no divisions. We're... All the same. Four pilots, three air crewmen, a bunch of maintainers. All right, fine. I'll count the maintainers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Maintainers and a chief. Nine. So there you go. And then there's some candid pictures of us. Then the chief petty officer's mess, which is all the E7s and up, which included our own. Then the wardroom, which is all the officers together. And then some... More candid shots, reflections of West Pack. So there's some pictures of us leaving. Oh, here's a picture of the battle group. All right. Let's see. There's the Callahan. There's the Fletcher. There's the California. This must be the Warden. I think that's the Warden. USS Constellation. USS Camden. The Cromlin. Don't remember what this one is. The Hashburn. Excuse me, Hepburn. And the other Knox class. Shoot. But yeah, here's a picture of us steaming in formation. Alright, so more underway candids. Here's a picture of us having a towing exercise with the California CGN 36. If you want to look up the Camden was AOE2, which I think is fast oiler. <laughs> and Saturday, August 24th, 1985 is the day we came home. Liberty Ports, Pearl Harbor, Subic Bay, Singapore, Diego Garcia, Bunbury, Western Australia. Some pictures of time in Singapore. Some pictures of time in Civic. Here's a farewell party of the XO that we didn't get invited to or didn't know about. Some more Singapore. Some Diego Garcia, which is a lot of sitting around in the jungle doing nothing because there ain't nothing there. It's a picture of the crane hoisting. Well, I'll talk about that in a different show. There's a little bit of a hook for you. Let's see. Bunbury, Western Australia. Quiet, idyllic little town. Tore that place up. Getting the Battle E. Might talk about that later. Oh, here's a... Okay, there's a very rare occurrence of the ship launching a Harpoon anti-ship missile. And here's a picture of the Harpoon. Very grainy. Launching from... We we're all on the ship. We we're all, like, far away to watch it. I, I tried to catch it with the camera. But there was an aircraft flying, probably an EP, a P-3 or some sort of patrol aircraft took a grainy picture of the harpoon leaving the Callahan. Pretty cool picture. Fighting Irish sports. Okay, so 
Callahan, you know, Irish names, so they identify with ours. So they're playing basketball here in our in our hangar. Playing some volleyball in our hangar. Showing some of the cookouts and some of the here talent show. God. The USO show, there's Chris Christopherson. Yeah, famous singer-songwriter Chris Christopherson paid a visit to Callahan with his band off the coast of Oman as part of the United Servicemen's organization to put a show that none of us are soon to forget. Yeah, well, we had a beer day after 45 days at sea. 18 May 1985, crossing the equator. Here's some pictures of that. We'll talk about that later. Some polywog watches, the beauty contest. Uh, pictures of those who re-enlisted or who achieved qualification. Uh, surface warfare qualification. More reenlistments. The Tiger Cruise, 17-24 August. Oh, 48. Callahan embarked 48 Tigers for our return trip from Pearl Harbor to San Diego. The Tigers were able to see firsthand the life of a real sailor. By the end of the week, 18 of our guests had qualified as Tiger Surface Warfare Specialists, which meant they had a list of chores they had to do to get that qualification. So here's pictures of the kids playing bingo and doing some other crazy things. It's kind of funny. Here's a picture of a kid sitting in the captain's chair. Um, yeah, it is the warden. Ha! CG-19. Probably razor blades by now. Camden, California. Picture of uh, the various helicopters that came to visit the flight deck. Then the arriving home. Shows a bunch of people on the pier waiting for them. At the... Uh, the piers at Naval Station North Island, Naval Air Station North Island, but guess what? We weren't there. We had flown off. So we'll talk about the fly-off as well. Okay, so here's some vital statistics. Miles traveled 60,000 miles in six months. So yes, do the math. 10,000 miles a month, right? Total fuel used, 5,166,100 gallons of diesel fuel marine. So that's not taking into account any fuel for the helicopter or anything not fuel not used for. Well, anyway, DFM only it says. So it's got to be just the air, the helicopter. Total fuel costs in 1985 dollars. Okay, <laughs> gotta wonder what this cut. You ready? Seven million two hundred thirty-two. Let me start over. Seven million two hundred thirty-two thousand five hundred forty dollars worth of DFM. For one Westpac deployment for one ship in 1985. What do you think that costs now? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Total helicopter missions for Sea Snake 17, 295. Only seems like 800. <laughs> Total hours flown by Sea Snake 17, 610. Which is actually a pretty good pace, 100 hours a month. Total haircuts given, 2,500. <laughs> Total amount of ship store sales, $200,000. Again, this is $1985. Okay, total soda, total, total sodas sold, 120,000 sodas <laughs> consumed by the ship. That's just a lot. Total pounds of meat consumed, 90,000. Total gallons of milk consumed, 10,000. So there you go. That's a look at the cruise book. I'll keep that handy for when I start talking about what came after the Philippines. Sorry. Sorry for this show being out of order. This is the show I actually should have done about deployment first. Then started talking about the various places we went and what we did. But, oh well. That's just the way I roll, I guess. Okay, so let's see. Let's start doing housekeeping. If you want to send me an email, please do. I welcome them. You have two choices. Actually, no, I'm going to give you one choice. It's mike at navalair.net. You can use the Gmail account if you know it, but... Mike at navalair.net. I'd like to start using a real email address. Paid for the domain. May as well use it. So Mike at navalair.net. Drop me a line. I'd like to hear from you. Uh, you can visit the website, www.navalair.net. You'll see a couple few photos there. If you drill into it, you'll see kind of like a web page dedicated to the squadron I was in. HSL 33, and you'll see some uh, lists of aircraft, and you'll see some Pictures of those aircraft. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, I got maybe two, uh, two more shows talking about deployment. And then we're going to start talking with 
hopefully soon, the the next guest or the first guest, let's call it the first guest, uh, he's going to tell us about the pipeline for the student naval aviator. Yes, pilot training. He's currently a student naval aviator. He's going to come on. He's going to talk about what he's done, where he's going, what he hopes to get accomplished, which branch of naval aviation he's going to end up in. And we're going to kind of be there along for that. So look forward to that. We've got probably two more episodes. There's me talking, and then we'll have someone else on here giving you the other viewpoint of what goes on in naval aviation. All right, so I'm going to cut, well, 10, 50 minutes. I guess it's a little short. We're going to cut this one off right here. I've given you the rundown, given you the hook about what to look forward to, given you the email address, send me an email. And with that, I'm going to sign off and ask you to stay safe and God bless.